we believe there has never been a moment in our lifetime where the church is as essential as it is right now. This is a place of hope. A community of Christ followers is life-giving when there is so much around us that has the potential to suck the life right out of us. Some of us, many of us, even most of us would say, if you ask us how you're, we're doing, we might say something like, you know what, I'm tired. And it's not just a Christian thing, it's like an all people thing right now. We're worn out, we're burnt out. We're tired. Maybe you'd say that you're drained of strength and energy. It's the pandemic that just won't end. It's vaccines, it's masks, it's neighbors hating on neighbors. It's what's best for our kids. It's questions about the motives of those who are in positions of authority. Maybe you've had a vacation that has been spoiled by the variant. Maybe you look at what's happening in Afghanistan or Haiti and you just want to shut down. If you're here and you're tired, physically, emotionally, mentally, politically, spiritually tired, you are not alone. You're not alone. So we pick up this morning once again in our summer message series, Questions Jesus Asked. Questions Jesus Asked. What we've been talking about this whole summer is that Jesus knew the power of a question. Jesus knew that questions, when brought up in a conversation, had greater potential to compel change than just making statements. Next week, we're going to put an exclamation point on this series, and we're going to look at what is perhaps the most important question that Jesus ever asked. That's next Sunday. Today, as we look at a question Jesus asked, we're going to look at the tension between being awake and being asleep. Being awake and being asleep. This is so much more than just being physically awake or asleep. As we look at an event that happened in the hours leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. So I'm going to invite you to open up or power up today to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26 is your opening up your word, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about sleep. I want you to know that I actually really enjoy, like, physical sleep. I hope that within a few hours I will be having a Sunday afternoon nap, which I believe is holy time. I believe every Christian should have a Sunday afternoon nap. Amen. That's right. Where we open up today, Matthew chapter 26, uh, the Last Supper has just concluded, and the Last Supper was a really big event. Uh, Jesus taught, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, Judas left, Jesus broke the bread, he passed the cup, beginning what we now call the Lord's Supper or communion. Jesus told the disciples, where I'm going, you can't come. Uh, Peter said, Jesus, you know what, I'll, I will die for you. And Jesus says in return, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. After all of that, Jesus leads his disciples out of that upper room, out of the city to an olive tree grove. It's about a mile walk from where they were, a place called Gethsemane. So if you do the math with me, you have 12 disciples. Judas is left. One is left to betray Jesus. Jesus tells eight more, I want you to wait here at the entrance of the olive grove, which leaves how many? Three, thank you. So three are left, and Jesus invites three to come with him. He tells the rest, I'm going to be going in here to pray. 
He takes three with him, Peter and the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and his brother John. That's right. So Jesus speaks to Peter, James, and John when he says this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 38. Then Jesus said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. My soul is very sorrowful, Jesus says, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. What we know is that in the coming hours, Jesus will be arrested. He will be sentenced to death, even though he committed no crime, and he will suffer a criminal's death, an excruciating crucifixion on the cross. That's all about to happen when Jesus says this. And Jesus shares the heaviness of his soul, a grieving and intense sadness. And so he asks his closest followers, watch with me. Jesus craving at the moment relationship and loyalty. Watch with me, stay awake with me, stay alert with me, support me, be awake, be vigilant, verse 39. And going a little farther, Jesus fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In the relative calm there in the olive tree grove, just hours before the event that would change all of world history, Jesus wanted support from his followers and solitude with his father. And so here's what Jesus prays, let the cup pass from me. Now Jesus does not specify exactly what's in that cup but here's what we know throughout his ministry Jesus had told the disciples that he must be killed and raised to life Jesus came on his mission to seek and to save the lost Jesus came on a mission to give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of everybody what we do know is as we think about the content of that cup that Jesus says take this cup from me Jesus does not want to abandon his mission He may not want to endure the suffering, but he doesn't want to abandon the mission. Jesus is not praying for the mission to be passed off to somebody else. What we also know as we think about what could possibly be in the contents of that cup that Jesus says, I want the cup to pass from me, we also know this. There is no human suffering that parallels what Jesus was about to suffer. Nothing you or I will go through in our our life. We will never experience anything that will parallel the suffering of the one who would go to the cross for the sins, not just of one person, but for everybody. Peter, who was there that night, Peter, who's there that night, he would later write this. 1 Peter 2, verse 24. Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds, you are healed. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but your will be done. What Jesus prays here is what God desires to be central to our prayers today. God, if this is your will, God, I want your will. Now let's pause there for a moment to pray, God, I want to carry out your will. 
This is not easy. This is difficult. This is challenging. This is an uncomfortable prayer to say, not what I want, God, but what you want. That's what I want to happen. Why is this such a difficult, challenging, uncomfortable prayer? Well, we know why. Because God's will is always good, but it's not always easy. God's will is always good, but it's not always easy. Loving your neighbor is always good, but it's not always easy, especially if your neighbor has a dog that barks all night and they voted differently than the way you voted in the last election. (laughs) Honoring God's plan for marriage, if you're single, and the way you live out your dating relationship, Honoring God during that season of dating is always good. But come on, brothers, it's not always easy. In a country where very few people know about Jesus, serving as a missionary there is always good. But it's not always easy. Doing business with honesty and integrity is always good. But it's not always easy. Suffering on the cross for the sins of humanity is the ultimate good. But it certainly wasn't easy. So here comes the question that Jesus asks. Are you ready for it? Verses 40 and 41. And Jesus came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He finds them sleeping and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? There's the question. So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. Watch and pray so that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus finds the disciples sleeping after he's just told them, please be awake, be alert, hang with me for this time. Could you not watch with me for one hour? Could you not stay alert for one hour? Now, if you were to read the whole account of what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says quite a few things to his disciples, but there's no recorded response. Maybe they didn't have anything to say. Could you not be alert with me for one hour? Nope. Even Peter, even Peter, who always has something to say, doesn't have anything to say. The disciples were asleep when Jesus wanted them to be alert. And the disciples, if they were to come up here and explain, they may have an explanation or a very good reason for why they were wiped out physically in that moment. They had just been through the Last Supper, which was absolutely intense. It was emotional. It was confusing. Then they went for a long walk in the night, and they're there in the garden. They're a mile from the upper room. Many of us in the same situation, we would be tired. We would be tired, and sleeping would feel like a really good option. So you may be saying today, not physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you would say, I have good reason to be wiped out. We would say, I have good reason to be burnt out. Just in the moment when we want to shut down, to give up, to give in, 
to hide under a blanket, to let them win, to walk away. In the moment we most want to sleep, that may be the moment that God most wants us to be alert. Jesus says, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. What do we see in this moment? Prayer and spiritual alertness defeat temptation. Prayer and spiritual alertness defeat temptation. And temptation, it can show up in so many ways. You've been there, you've done that. We can be tempted to compromise our values. We can be tempted to abandon purity. We can be tempted to give up on the mission. We can be tempted to do what's easy instead of doing what's right. Don't miss this now. It's been said that there are two ways that the enemy can work. The first is this. The enemy tempts us with temporary pleasures that ultimately bring destruction. That's one way. Number two, this is good. This is someone else's observation that I'm completely stealing today. The enemy urges us to avoid pain that results from difficult things God asks us to do. Did you catch that? The enemy tempts us by urging us to avoid pain that results from the difficult thing, things God asks us to do. God challenges us to do something bold. God challenges us to do something big. God challenges us to go outside of our comfort zone. It's going to be difficult. It may make things a little weird with a friend. It may make things a little challenging in a family relationship. And God's saying, I'm going to be with you, and you can do this. Be bold. Let's take a step together. But the enemy can be in your ear like the little cartoon devil saying, why risk it? Why, why would you want to put yourself through that? Just sit back, sit out. Let someone else take care of it. Slipping in alertness and prayer can lead us to be disloyal to Christ. Now, this is the same night. This is the same night that just before this, Peter said, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll die with you. I'll die with you. And, and Jesus says, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. But Peter says, I would die for you, Jesus. And then what happens just a few hours later when the sun comes up, Peter does what? He actually denies Jesus three times. What happens between Jesus, I would die for you, and denying three times? What happens in the middle? Gethsemane happens in the middle. Gethsemane happens in the middle when Jesus says, be alert. Don't go to sleep now. Watch, pray, so that you do not fall into temptation. If it can happen to Peter, if it can happen to Peter, come on now, church, if it can happen to Peter, it can happen to us. So this encouragement, this urging from Jesus don't slip into temptation. There's broad application here. But what is the temptation that specifically applies to this moment? You see, Jesus knew that his betrayal was moments away. And in that moment, Jesus had in his mind how he would desire for the disciples to respond. And are the disciples going to respond by standing with Jesus or by running away? What happens? They flee. They run away. That's the temptation that they're about to face. It, Jesus would be deserted and betrayed and denied by those closest to him just moments after he urged them to be alert. 
They scatter. In the moment of pressure, they run from Jesus. So we can understand. We can understand when Peter would say, there's no way, Jesus, that I would ever abandon you. Jesus, I would die with you. I would die for you. We take Peter at his word that he sincerely believed that nothing could possibly ever happen to separate him from the one who he had abandoned his family business and had been following for three years. We believe that Peter is sincere when he says nothing could happen that would ever separate me from you. But what happens? What happens? Jesus says, you got to be alert now. you got to be awake. you got to be in prayer. You have to be aware there is an enemy who's on the prowl. There's, there's going to be a temptation. And because they were awake, because they were asleep when they should have been awake, what happens? Peter does something that he couldn't even imagine him do, himself doing, denying Jesus three times. If we drop our spiritual alertness and neglect our prayer time, we risk being disloyal to Christ in ways that we could not even imagine. Many of us in this room, we'd say, we're followers of Christ. Nothing can separate us from Christ. We never would abandon Christ. But what happens if we neglect our time in relationship with him? We also run the risk. We run the risk of turning our back on Jesus when we are under pressure, when we let down our spiritual alertness, when we step away from our prayer relationship. In fact, if we look in the rearview mirror, many of the times that we wish we could have a do-over would be when we let our spiritual alertness down. Jesus tells his closest followers then, and he's telling us now, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. What a great promise. The spirit is willing. The spirit is willing. That's a great promise. But the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. <laughs> I didn't want to, but the flesh is weak. Ah, oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is an incentive, not an excuse. It's not God's plan for you to overcome temptation on your own. Our alertness by itself is insufficient. The spirit is willing. The spirit lives in you and is willing to help you overcome temptation. So let's recap as we get ready to wrap this up today. Maybe, you, maybe you've been daydreaming for a second. You've been thinking about that nap that's just a short bit away, about lunch. Come back in because I don't want you to miss the last part, okay? Recap. Jesus tells his disciples to watch. Jesus leaves to pray. He comes back. He finds them asleep. He says, is one hour of alertness, is it too much to ask? Stay awake. Keep watch. Pray so you don't slip into temptation. Well, then what happens next is a second time Jesus leaves to pray. He comes back, and once again, they're asleep. Matthew, who was there that night, he tells us that everyone's eyes were heavy. So Jesus goes away a third time. A third time, Jesus returns, and a third time, <laughs> they're sleeping. Verses 45 and 46. This is the third time. Then he, Jesus, came to the disciples and said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. You could also translate that phrase this way. Are you, are you still sleeping and resting Peter, really, are you still sleeping and resting? John, come on. James, sons of thunder, 
Are you really sleeping and resting? See, the hour is at hand, Jesus says. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. There was a time to pray, and they missed it. Before what could happen does happen, that's the time to pray. Did you hear me? Before what could happen does happen, that's the time to, to pray. The marriage could end. The money could run out. Crime could destroy the neighborhood. He could die. She could die. The hospital could be overwhelmed. The Taliban could kill the Christians. If it's not happened yet, then it's time to pray. If it's not happened yet, it's time to pray. Before what could happen does happen, that's when it's time, church, to pray. So they reached a point where the opportunity to pray passed. Coming out of their sleep, the disciples do not respond. They do not react the way Jesus wants them to react. What happens? Peter Busts out a sword. Where did Peter get a sword, by the way? Has he been carrying a sword? This, Peter busts out a sword and he cuts off a guy's ear. And what happens? They all run. This is, this is not the play that Jesus had drawn up. This is not how he wanted them to respond at this important moment. The disciples leave Jesus and they flee. We know the rest of the story. Eventually, Jesus would restore them, and they launched the movement that we now know as Christianity through the power of the Holy Spirit. But what happened that night is likely a night that the disciples wish they could have lived out differently. Years later, Peter would write this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert, Peter writes. Be alert. Man, I wish I could have that night over again. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Someone told me this morning after one of the earlier services that the enemy is patient and is waiting for a moment where you'll let your guard down. The enemy is waiting for a moment when you Cut back in your spiritual alertness. Be alert because there is a spiritual enemy who is at odds with our good heavenly father. The enemy wants to bring down as many as he can. The enemy will deceive, intimidate, twist, tempt, persecute, whatever is within his power, his inferior power, by the way, trying to get you to reject, turn your back, scatter, deny, or betray your loyalty to Christ. So what's the answer? Be alert, be alert, be alert. Alertness may be most essential when we most desire rest. Alertness may be most essential when we most desire rest. And some of us, many of us, maybe even most of us in the room, we would say that's exactly what we feel right now with what's happening in our world. We're tired, we're worn out, Mentally, we're worn out emotionally, we're exhausted spiritually. What twist could possibly come next? And so it feels like this may be a moment to just kind of go into a spiritual slumber. And the challenge 
we are hearing today from the words of Jesus Christ is that this is not a time to sleep. Let's rest later on. How about today, we are the alert church. We are alert sons and daughters of Christ. Alertness may be most essential when we most desire rest. In 2008, Zach Dunlap was riding an ATV, I think we, we call him a quad here in Oregon. Zach Dunlop was riding an ATV the week before Thanksgiving in rural Oklahoma. His friends were up in front of him, so Zach sped up to catch his friends, get close to his friends, but he put too much on the throttle, and as Zach got close, he got too close, and he tried to swerve to avoid crashing into his friends and their machines. Zach flipped his ATV, as a result, he went flying off of his ride and went into the air and smashed headfirst, face first into the pavement. Paramedics first took Zach to a small local hospital there in his uh, small community in Oklahoma. Then he was airlifted to a regional medical center in Texas. At that regional center, that regional medical center hospital in Texas, doctors declared Zach brain dead. Now, Zach, his family said that he was always uh, caring, wanting to show love for other people, and so he indicated on his driver's license that he would like to be an organ donor. The family made the difficult decision to keep Zach alive using machines, but only until his organs could be harvested. So in the, those moments when time is uh, essential, a medical team was on the way to the hospital by helicopter One. Uh, to Two. take Zach's organs. The family was called. They were saying their goodbyes. Zach is lying there in the room. What we later would learn is that, uh, that Zach's hometown in Oklahoma heard about what was happening, and neighbors told reporters that the whole town began to pray for Zach. And there at the hospital, Zach's grandmother began to pray that a miracle would be seen in the hospital. Thank God for praying grandmas. Thank God for praying grandmas. So we don't know exactly how bad Zach was when, when he arrived, but as the family's there in the room, as people in the hometown are praying, as grandma's praying at the hospital, Zach had two nurses who were in the hospital, and they're observing, they're watching Zach, and these two cousins who are nurses, they started to get the sense that maybe Zach wasn't as dead as the doctor said he was. So one of these cousin nurses, a man, he took out a knife, a pocket knife, and he went over to uh, Zach's heel, his uh, bare feet there in the hospital bed, and he poked Zach in the foot with the pocket knife. And Zach yanked his leg back. And in, in the moment, people can celebrate because they see a physical reaction. But if, you've, if you're in the medical field or you've seen a family member go through something like this, I see some nurse friends here today, you know what that can be is that actually they're still unconscious, they're still in a coma. What actually is occurring is that it's just a natural physical reflex. And so the, there were people in the room that wanted to explain the moment away as a a physical reflex. But thank God, Zach's uh, cousin wasn't convinced. 
And in the moment there, he did something that maybe you did to your brothers and sisters to torture them when they were children. If there are any uh, young people in here, I'm going to give you an idea right now that you can maybe apply to your brothers and sisters later. That cousin, he took his fingernail and he went up to Zach and he shoved his fingernail under Zach's fingernail as hard as he possibly could. And what Zach did in that, that time is he yanked his arm away as fast as he could. And those who were in the room, the medical professionals said that was not a reflex. This man is alive. And he woke up. He woke up. Now this happened in 2008, 13 years ago. I actually did that math all on my own in the first service without doing it in my, seeing it in my notes. 13 years ago, this happened to Zach. You can look it up. He was on the Today Show. They even used the word miraculous. The reason I share this story today, the illustration for today, is that Zach woke up just in time. I mean, they were in the helicopter on the way to take his organs. He woke up just in time. And so my challenge to us church family is that perhaps what happened to Zach physically in that moment is what needs to happen for us spiritually in this moment. We need to wake up. We need to be alert. We need to be the church that is alert because if we don't, perhaps the catastrophic will happen. Watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Peter was there when Jesus said that, and years later, Peter would also write, be alert, be alert. God cares, God protects, God provides, God restores, God heals. It is time for the church to be alert. <laughs> Joe Castleberry, who is the president of Northwest University, our Assemblies of God University in the Seattle area. Just yesterday he wrote this, which is absolutely the right word for the right moment. So many things are distracting us, turning us away from a hunger for God's manifest presence, a zeal to reach the lost, a yearning for deeper holiness and consecration, a greater love for each other. How we need a new wave of grace and mercy unto repentance and a sharper focus on the things of God. How much do we need a sharper focus on the things of God? A sharper focus on the things of God. Let me invite you all over this room to just close your eyes for a moment and think about how God may be challenging you to respond to his word today. I want to ask just a couple questions as we conclude our time together. And the first question is this. I want to ask how many of us in this room today, this is a question for everybody, how many of us in this room today would say we want to be spiritually alert? We want to be awake to the things of God. We want to see it the way that God sees it. I did not even have to ask, and the hands are already going up in this place. How many more would say I want to live a spiritually alert life? I don't want to compromise my prayer time, my, my relationship with him. Thank you for the hands. You can put them down. Let me ask you another question.
How many of you would be in a moment where you're not at that moment where Jesus has come a third time, but it's the first time or the second time when Jesus is saying, I need you to be alert. I need you to be aware. But for some reason, you've allowed yourself to slip into a slumber. And what God is speaking to you today is that what could happen hasn't happened yet, but today is the day that you need to wake up to be spiritually alert. If God is challenging you today to be spiritually alert and to wake up to a situation, I want to see your hands this morning so I can pray for you. Thank you. I see your hands. Are there any others? Okay, one more question. You can put your hands down. One more question. Is there anyone in this room who would say that you're at that point where you're like the disciples when Jesus came back a third time? And essentially the the time to pray had passed, that we you missed it. And you say, man, I wish I could have gone back. I wish I would have handled that situation spiritually in a different way. I wish I, wish I had woken up when God called me to wake up. Well, we're thankful today that the Spirit is willing. God restores. And what you are saying today is, God, restore me from a season when I was not as spiritually alert as I needed to be. I see the consequences, but I want to see your redemption. If that's you today, let me see your hands all over this place. I see them. More importantly, God sees them. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I want to pray for you in just a moment, but let me also extend an invitation. If you're here today... God's word is speaking to you and you know that today is the day you want to make a commitment, first time commitment or recommitment to Jesus Christ. What I need you to do right now is have a prayer with your heavenly father. I want you to talk to God right now. You saw the baptisms today. You saw that lives have been turned around by the power of Jesus Christ. And you're saying today is my day. Today is my day to receive Jesus Christ. Right where you are, this is the moment for you to have a conversation with God, not with me, but with God. And right, right where you are, right now in this moment, you're here in person or you're online, say, Father in heaven. That's right. Talk to God right now. Say, Father in heaven. It may feel weird. It may feel uncomfortable. It may feel clunky because you haven't prayed in a long time. It's okay. The motive of the heart is what's important. You're saying to God, Father, I receive your son, Jesus Christ. That's right. Tell him. Say, Father, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just like those testimonies I saw on the TV on the screen this morning. When Pastor Aaron was talking about how our lives preach of the redemption of Jesus Christ, tell God, I receive the restoring power of Jesus today. And then you can thank God. Say, thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins and affirm to your heavenly Father today that you want to build your life on the Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we say thank you for new life in Christ today. Thank you for the one or perhaps the many in this room who made a commitment to Christ, declaring Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, we thank you for each one in this room today who so honestly, to one of the questions we asked, raised a hand. Father, we're here to declare we want to be an alert church. Father, the temptation is to fall into a slumber, to give up, to give in, to hide under a blanket, to go in the basement, whatever it may be. But Father, we're saying that's not going to be us. We want to be a spiritually alert church. We want to respond in the most intense pressure moments, the way that you want us to respond. We want to react when when the odds feel like they're against us. We want to react the way that you would have us react in that moment. Father, we reject the temptation of the enemy. Father, thank you for the one 
you spoke to their heart today, they see that the, uh, there's a situation that's heading down the wrong path and you've woken them up today and they're saying, before what could happen does happen, I'm committing myself to spiritual alertness. And Father, we also say thank you for the one today. Something has happened. They look back and they say, I wish you would have handled it differently spiritually. Father, thank you for your restoration. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for raising them back up. Father, the enemy would love for us to live looking in the rearview mirror at the pain and mistakes of the past, but we worship a forward-looking God. As long as we have breath in our lungs, you're not done. As long as we have a heartbeat, we're not done. As long as our, we are awake, alive in the land of the living, we are not done. You have greater things ahead, and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.